Welcome to the newest episode of the Magic Hour here at the Forum Club here at the Athletic. Uh, it's the it's like a Russian nesting doll of podcasts. Um, I'm Brian Kamenetsky with Andy Kamenetsky. We of course host the show. Uh, thank you for listening. Please rate and review and subscribe to it. Uh, we do appreciate that. Uh, coming to you on Sunday, the 16th, correct of of February. It is All Star Night. The game is over. Uh, it was a super fun night. That was fantastic. Just, I mean, the NBA couldn't have gotten a better. Uh, result out of this basketball fans could have gotten something they they changed the format where nobody was quite sure how it was going to work um, when it was first announced it was actually a little bit confusing like like in terms of how exactly it was going to play out right like in, like you know and as much as people love and we'll get into some of the kobe tributes andy in a second but like as much as people love like the 24 point uh you know target score add-on and all that it's felt a little bit weird and contrived and you know but what it turned into, and I think this is, I think, was the thing, was the, the idea behind it. Um, they've already started down this road of kind of making it a pickup game by picking teams before it, just like you would, you know, at the gym. And essentially what this does is it turns the fourth quarter into a pickup game. Yeah. Because, you know, you go, you go to the, the gym, you go to the, you know, the, the playground or whatever, you play it at 21 usually or whatever it is. You don't like put a clock on you. And. In those games, people tend to screw around at the beginning of them, like you do in an all-star game. But as soon as some team gets to 16, 17, 18 or whatever, you start digging in defensively. And there's, some, there's something sort of the tension of one bucket away, two buckets away, whatever it might be. And with these guys who, you know, they play hard in fourth quarters in, in, in all-star games typically anyway. Um, but the way this turned out, obviously, now they're all really digging in because you know the next team scores, you lose. That but, but, great. Even, but even beyond the fourth quarter, Brian, like you started seeing guys digging in during the second half when you start yeah. becoming more aware of how that spread could lay out heading into the fourth. You even saw a little bit of it, I think, in the second quarter just because Team Giannis that was behind starts becoming a well, little yeah. aware of like, okay, like we could end up – if we don't kick it into gear – we could end up really down, you know, really down like 50. Behind. But I, I think some of it, like, if you kind of just trace the history of, like, you go back and, and I, neither, full disclosure for people listening, I don't, I don't care about all-star games. I know you don't care about well, all-star games. I was going to say, games. for anybody who listened to the last podcast. Right, they know we don't care about all-star games. Or anybody and, who's been familiar with us for, like, the last 10, 15 right, years. Right, but, you know, we're hoping we have some new people. Um, Ironically, though, you ended up meeting your future wife specifically because, because of the All Star. I didn't say I'm not appreciative of them generally. I'm just saying it, it is, is true. Ironic. We met at an event uh, before the All Star game in 2004 in LA. Um, but like they, this is sort of how they like you know the first quarter is like literally nobody's like moving or it's just like dunk 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 dunk. Second quarter, people start moving faster. But aren't really still aren't playing defense. Like, you know, they weren't getting in anybody's way. Third quarter, the intensity starts to pick up. Right. And then by the fourth quarter, typically everybody playing hard. The problem is a lot of times what you end up in an all-star game is, you know, one team is up 187, you know, to 162. And there's just not a lot of not a lot of there to fight for. So I think, you know, the format gave some incentive to try, hey guys, let's try to keep the game close, which was good. Um, I just, it, it, it turned out to be a ton of the guys were playing really hard at the end. 
uh, to win. Kyle Lowry drew more Chargers in this one game than in the history of all All-Star games combined. And that doesn't include the ones that he tried, Andy, but yeah. didn't get. Yeah. And the, the joy... Because it's a very Kyle Lowry thing. Oh, it's so I mean, it's Kyle extremely. Lowry. It's it's just peak Kyle Lowry. Uh, and I say this, and, and we and are I, both huge Kyle Lowry. I, as a, as a fan. And it's not like the joy with which he was trying to do this. Because it's you know he's in an all star format. Kyle Lowry's a great player, but in an all star format, he's not going to be the most athletic. He's not, Lowry, he's not a star for Kyle Lowry. Like drawing charges in the all star game is the equivalent of throwing down windmill dunks. Yes, like this, this, this is, is his right. highlight moment. This, you know, this it's great. Like he was just like the one that he tried to draw against um, LeBron, or I think it was. I think it was LeBron where he tried to draw and it wasn't called. There was one that wasn't, and then he got the next one. I might have, I might have a mixed up, but like he's looking. For, no, the LeBron one was the one that was called, and he's looking for the ref, and like the smile on his face, yeah, was amazing. And so like that part of it was was great. Um, I do appreciate uh, that Kawhi Leonard. The first Kobe Bryant All Star Award recipient of all time. Because uh, for people who don't know where they named, they it named now, the award, the MVP award. Mm-hmm. For we'll get Kobe. into this in a second. Uh, is Clipper won the award? Proof more that Steve Ballmer has bought the media because the media votes mm-hmm. could have been LeBron. LeBron yeah. had a good game, nine to twenty, six assists, really directed things in the fourth Step quarter. Step up your purchase game, Jeannie. I know. Chris Paul, 20. Chris Paul was Chris great. Chris Paul played fantastic. Now, this is a perfect he format. A this, he did. This is a perfect <laughs> format for Chris Paul, too. Yeah. Like, you know, like we like edgy guys like him. He played fantastic. Yeah, he did. Kawhi that did have 37. No, four, Kawhi deserved two. Kawhi. He was really good. the award. Um, great line from uh, Nikola Jokic, who had five points and two rebounds. I was snubbed. I was <laughs> this close. Believe he was kidding. Um, so it was, it was just it was a great it was a great night. Let's, let's talk about the 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 Kobe tributes because it's it's a tricky thing to do. Um, you know, obviously he was announced as all of fame finalist this week. No surprise there. You know, they did the jerseys. Um, you know, Barack Obama spoke. You know, up, you know, did a press conference, talked about it, and you know, uh, Adam Silver talked like. And whenever there were questions about it, and they had to be asked and had to be answered. You could feel this sort of gravity towards sadness, which is, you know, for obvious reasons, but it's not what you really want at an All-Star Weekend. And I thought overall, the NBA, Andy, really threaded this beautifully over the course of All-Star Weekend. Yeah, you, you had the pregame tributes and Jennifer Hudson sang absolutely Beautifully, I mean, to no surprise to anybody, right? In, in a tribute to Kobe before the game, you know, there was a montage where people like Dwayne Wade or Common and other people from Chicago spoke about the city while in front of this uh, white model of the city, and then that eventually paid tribute to Kobe in the sense that Kobe was so influenced by Michael Jordan. Like mm-hmm. they they found different ways to acknowledge Kobe. I thought. Without it getting too sad or, or frankly, even feeling maudlin. And, right. and, and the concern you would have, and I don't think this would be anybody's intention, but it could end up happening anyway, is that, that it would appear like it was getting milked. Like, you know, like that, peop- that the people putting on the game were really trying to milk the emotion of this. Right. And, you know, and you, don't, you wouldn't want it to come across there, that I mean, way. There is always, and there's always that. You know, 
fear of ex- almost feeling exploitative. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, we were at the game, you know, the Friday game, the Portland game, the, the first one. And there, you know, there are a lot of people out there selling the Kobe T-shirts. And it's like, you know. Well, I mean, look. I don't we, have a problem, but it's like, you know, capitalists. You, you, you and I, in addition to the writing that we do for The Athletic, we also work for 710 ESPN in L.A., which, you know, we cover the Lakers a lot as it is, much less, you know, during this period. And we would occasionally see, you know, in the comment sections of articles or sometimes on Twitter, you know, people complaining that the Kobe coverage at times felt like overkill. Yeah. And and, and I can understand. And, I, and there's no, I think, generally speak, I, I actually think overall, I think this was something, you know, there's the, there are. The, 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 there are questions of Colorado, there, you know, all the, the appropriateness of when you ask those questions. And we did a lot of stuff for a lot of different people. And then we talked about it in some and didn't talk about it in others. But overall, I felt like people kind of got it right. Um, and By they, and large, I would agree. And, and I certainly think this weekend it was done really well. The all-star, naming the all-star thing for Kobe is, it's one of these things that's like, it's happened. Bill Oram wrote a great story about some of the numerology, like these numbers that keep popping up, but just remind people of like, you know, of Kobe and uh, in these different moments that feel special. There was another little kind of perfect thing that kind of lined up in that nobody had named the All-Star Award for anybody. And Kobe Bryant's you know, has won the All-Star MVP as much as anybody in the he league. He and Bob Petter tied four times He each. went to the game 18 times. The only times he didn't go, we were rookie season in the in his third year when they when the game was canceled because of the strike. Or uh, was it a strike or a lockout? It was a lockout. Um, they eventually, that was the year that the Spurs won over the Knicks right. in a short season. Right. I want to get my labor terms correct. Kobe was the also like, the year of Dennis Rodman for the Lakers. Yes, which, which I mean, we were talking about Kobe before. I, I remember Kobe talking one time about that season, like it was something that everybody required therapy to get past. Like he really, the way he described it, that season with Rodman w- took a psychological toll on everyone. Yeah, like and and Dennis Kobe was hard. Kobe was somebody that I think it's safe to say over the course of his career saw pretty much everything. Yeah. Yeah, no, he, he was around. And even he thought that experience was really something. But it was, it's just like certain things, like you didn't have to take the name away from like, you know, some other guy who, you know, is. Well, the, the, it, the suggestion was people just, had about redoing the logo, the NBA logo with Kobe instead of Jerry West. All, all those people were coming from a place, I think, of good intention. Sure. It was also a terrible idea. It was, yeah, a, it it was a bad idea because not only. Brian, as you were saying, would you be taking you know, taking this away from somebody? You are taking it away from Jerry West, who brought Kobe into the into NBA. The, although and, I will say the one person who probably would be okay with it is Jerry West, maybe. who hates being the logo. Sure. But also, too, Kobe is, you know, in addition to being one of the greatest people to ever pick up a basketball, was essentially a basketball See, historian. I think that's a better reason. Like, Kobe... That's not was, a, it's not a tribute that Kobe, right. I think, would would want. Right. To be I mean, but that that logo, I'm sure, means something to Kobe, meant yes. something to Kobe. Yes, I agree. He would not want it changed. He also, too, Kobe was somebody that really prided himself on being an original, being, you know, at the forefront of a lot of different things. And I think honoring him this way, where you get to originate the award with a name mm-hmm. after him, is far more appropriate to the spirit of Kobe. Yeah, I would agree. And and 
there again you don't want to sound like there's like there's a limit as to how you want to honor like and i thought the people there were people who suggested that you know what kobe should be the only person put in the hall of fame this year and there were two reasons for that i think there people were either looking at it as um like it's a tribute because like he's he you know this is so shocking whatever like the whole thing should be about him this year and then there were other people like it's just like can you imagine being steve nash or um tim duncan, tim duncan or these other Garnett. people are like these are some of the greatest players of all time and it's going to be the, their night is not going to be about them um because you know fundamentally it's going to sort of feel like a night about kobe um and is I'm, nash in this year i, I know it's garnett so. and duncan i thought nash was too i'm not sure it is i nash. believe i could be wrong but whoever it is um i may be wrong but i didn't thought i didn't think i saw him anyway you, if it's, I mean, it's just a matter of if it's Duncan right and Garnett. Year. I'm sure if it's a matter of just the being the right year, but like if we've learned anything from this, it's like you can't wait. Like you don't know, and it's not like I'm, wor- you know, you're worried that something terrible could happen to Tim Duncan. That's not the issue. But what if there's somebody that Tim Duncan wants to be able to come, you know, a, a relative? A Steve friend. Nash is not in this. Okay, well, well whatever reason, he's gonna make it. Um. You know, it's just like there are there are just certain things that almost feel like too much or just not appropriate. And this is this was spot on perfect. I think the jerseys were perfect, although it made it a little <laughs> tricky to figure out sometimes which guy was on, you know, who you were, you were looking at at quick glance. By the way, Brian, you yeah. don't need to worry about Steve Nash and Duckton in 2018. I knew he was in. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just saying, like, you, I forget when these guys retired. I know. He's I'm, a first ballot guy, you know. I'm glad he got in. Did he sneak in? Was it close? I, I don't know. I just want to make sure uh, both factually. So he wasn't so snubbed. You, and so you can sleep well tonight. He wasn't snubbed. No, Steve Nash is in. Very good. <laughs> I am all for that. Um, anyway. Your lobbying campaign really worked. In addition to not caring about all-star games, I also don't particularly care about the Hall of Fame. Um, so that was that stuff all worked out. Really By the well. way, too, you mentioned uh, the numerology piece that Bill Orham wrote uh, for the Athletic, and with somebody like Kobe, when you do so much over the course of your career, there's going to be a lot of numbers that end up being pretty organically attached to you anyway. Yeah. Um, what's pretty cool about this All Star Game with uh, it being won on an Anthony Davis free throw, which got the team. To exactly the 157 uh, that they needed, total yes. that they needed, Kobe's first and last points in the NBA. There you go, free throw. That's right. I'm not. I'm, I gotta say, like watching this, I think it'll never happen. I was not totally convinced. Like, should all fourth quarters be like this? Like. I, I, I mean, I don't know how you would do it. I think like, the I, answer is no, but, but I think I, I wouldn't I, complain I'm afraid, if they did it. But like, should we spend a season finding out? Like, do this in the, do this do in the, the G League yeah. and see what happens. But like, I, I, I feel like there's a way to do this. Like, can you imagine the intensity of fourth quarter defense in the finals when the next basket wins? I mean, there is something to be said about the clock counting down. Like, Tonight, you know, Sunday night, what we saw was the perfect version of this. There are obviously imperfect right. versions. Right. I mean, of this. well, Team LeBron came back from down nine in the fourth quarter. Nine is the perfect spread because it's just big enough to be suspenseful, but not so big that in the back of Team LeBron's heads, they're all like, oh, this thing. Right. And like in a really close game, there's something like, 
four minutes left, three minutes left. If another team gets a bucket here, like it's like so yeah, I'm 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 pretty sure, Andy, I'm prisoner to the moment momenting this thing because it could have also been super boring. Um and probably will next year. Who knows? Uh, but I was just thinking about going, we should do this for every game. It was or really you know fun. what? Or just the crappy ones. Look, like just yeah. just decide decide like when Charlotte is playing like <laughs> I don't know, the Knicks. Like, you know what, guys? We're going to use this format tonight. Um, and we'll even do the thing where we give money to charity. Like, maybe that helps. Um, you guys are shitty. So we're just going to do, like, the the alternate version to see if we can squeeze a good game out of you. Well, e- either way, there had been some skepticism about this format. And it turned out turned really out fun. This is one of the best All-Star games It was a lot of fun. And hopefully it's, it's replicated. I, I, I give the NBA a lot of credit for being willing to mess with it. Because as we've discussed, all-star games are exhibitions. They're meaningless exhibitions in terms of actual basketball contests and should not be treated like, you know, they come straight from like the Bible or something like that. They, they aren't. They, so don't treat them the way. Yeah. Make them fun. It's why All-Star Saturday has always been more fun because like the game just isn't that cool. Um, speaking of which. Uh, quick review of Dwight Howard's participation. Um, I thought the guys who kept harping on like, that was pretty good for a 34-year-old guy or whatever, 35, whatever he is. Um, I was almost cool. 35, Look, I believe. It's really cool that Dwight was in this thing having fun because it just speaks to the career, you know, resuscitation and the image makeover yes. that he is, you know, going through and that has been successful and there's no way that Dwight is in this contest unless that happens, because you're not going to bring in one of your NBA players to get booed. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm being serious. No, you're right. Like the last five or six years, Dwight does this thing, he gets booed. So it's, it's great just knowing why he's there. That being said, the dunk contest. Yeah, it's like, all- you know. There will be no Houston Astros in the home run derby this year. Like you just don't do that. No, you know, no. I mean, like, not because less, they're going to not get booed. unless those pitchers are allowed to throw at people. During, well, no, they bring their own. Can you imagine? Like, what if their own guy? <laughs> well, look, man, you violated. I mean, game. look, is there anybody on the Astros that was like a former Dodger? I don't know. You got to choose your choose your BP pitcher carefully in that right. contest. Um, but you're right. Like you know, he's not in the. And I, I thought, you know, the, the, the one that the dunk that got all the attention that Dwight did was the Superman dunk in honor of Kobe. The better dunk was that first one where he kind of posed out and like kind of statue of Liberty, yes. and like twisted his body around it like and I'm not putting it on the same it, it, it got a decent score. People call it kind of called it like a warm up. Yeah, like a forty one or forty two. Yeah, but like I was, and I watched that and then when they slowed it down on the replay, it was a little reminded me a little bit, not in quality, but just in like that was a little underrated of the sticker dunk. Where that he did, you know, when he was on Orlando, where he stuck the sticker at the top of the backboard. Like, I was like, you know what? That was a really good dunk that he just pulled, and he got a really low score. The, the sticker dunk, I've always described it, Brian, as the art house version, the art house film version of a dunk. Yeah. Because afterwards, I remember Dwight was just pointing at it. It's like, folks. And, and nobody got it. Like, it went over people's heads artistically. Right. Look at where the sticker is. But. What Dwight did, I think, in the moment of the sticker dunk is he broke ground in terms of the idea of conceptual dunks that allowed like Pat Connaughton's dunk where he actually tapped the ball 
against the backboard before dunking it. Right. Because that was subtle and people didn't notice it. And it's been that's until been done. I've seen that. Yeah. But I, I and I give Pat Connaughton a lot of credit for participating because literally in the history of everything, has a person had less chance of winning whatever it was that they were competing in than Pat Connaughton in that contest? You and I had almost the same chance of winning as he did. I'm going to slightly disagree with you in the sense that the 2011 All-Star Game where Blake Griffin dunked over a Kia sponsored by Kia. That did seem that to was tilt the year, things. Yeah, you and I had a better chance of winning this year's dunk contest than anybody had that year. It did, at that like, point, seem rigged. Ja- like JaVale, in particular, JaVale got dunked robbed. three basketballs at once. He had. He also did a dunk with two backboards. Yes. You and I, you and I were at that contest. We were like, what, I, what the F just happened? JaVale, is the, but that, those dunks were sort of... The, the child of the Dwight dunk. Like, yes, those were too those were too good, the, like too conceptual. I remember the three basketball thing. I was like, I don't understand I don't, what I just watched. Because just for people, again, people might be new to the show. They might be new to the NBA. JaVale McGee only has two arms. I'm just saying, <laughs> lest you think he had three. He somehow dunked three basketballs at one time. It was amazing. I really but, want to sit but, down with him and just do like a like a one person oral history of like what the hell happened in that contest. But because again, well, Jamel got screwed. Well, I was gonna say it doesn't take. A he very should long, have done that over a Kia. It doesn't take a very long oral history. The oral history is Kia. Kia, <laughs> like that's the oral history. Just get Blake to say Kia. Kia. Um. Anyway, so it was a really fun weekend. Uh, I will. I just want to give a quick shout out to because uh, I'm sure he cares. A quick shout out to Aaron Gordon. Uh, I am. We're not dunk contest people either. Um, actually, I like the- I like it, but I I I look at everyone going, that's really good. Like I I can't. We're not dunk contest people in the sense that we have no idea how to judge it. Correct. Uh, like when I watch X Games, like slope style, and I'm like they're all going like that was pretty good, and they get a score, and like the next guy goes, that was pretty good too, and they get a different score. <laughs> it's like I don't I, know why. I, I'm just like it all looks pretty good to me. You know, it's similar to I, I just tweeted this out uh, at Cam Brothers. Uh, it's a couple days down our timeline, but you can find it and it's worth it. There's a video of a long-haired dachshund on a skateboard going downstairs. <laughs> yeah, and it's amazing. But if you put like five dachshunds doing that like, up against each so other. I'm not, I'm not necessarily going to know which one's best. Right, exactly. Like, you know, but like, so like, you know, there are some, every once in a while though, I will say like there are sometimes when even sort of my untrained eye, you can look at it, whether it's a slope style at, at X Games or the dunk that Aaron Gordon did when he needed a 50 in the finals before all the controversy oh where it was Fultz, right? Who threw the ball off the side yes, of the backwards, yes. which in that angle was perfect or whatever. Holy bleep. Like, I, I yelled. I actually yelled, oh, shit. Like, when he did, like, oh, like, and, and, like, the looks on some of these people's faces. Like, Dwayne Wade just st- stood there, like, slack-jawed. Like, I, what did I, I just see? I feel really bad for Aaron Gordon. And I've forgotten about this because the year that he lost to Zach Levine, that should have won that to, one, too. Well, but it also went to a dunk-off. So, he's basically like the Carl Malone of dunk right. contests. Like he, he keeps getting he has done all some the way of the to the greatest finals dunks and can't in dunk win. contest history. Like yeah. you have to be so good to be able to separate yourselves. Because like I said, 90s, like the stuff that Derek Jones Jr. was doing too, it was like, well, that's really good. And like Connaughton's son was like, well, that's really good too. It's like, I, I'm the, I'd be the worst judge. I'm like, you know, 
like the kindergarten, like for kindergarten, everybody gets a ribbon when I'm the judge. Well, if you, I mean, and here's also part of the problem. Apparently, the judges with Aaron Gordon, they were looking to give him a tie with Derek Jones Jr. So that, right. To either so just, I think so that they could just declare it, him the winner. Right. Well, no, I think just to end it on a tie. No, I think it would have been so then you choose which guy like performed the best. Well, like an episode e- of okay. Chop. Either way, you had one job, which yes. was basic math. Math. I was told there would like, be no math. Ju- I mean, if you're going to collude. Math my, is hard. My God. No, that was really bad. Um, all right, so let's let's uh, let's let's look at the Lakers real quick. I, I wrote um, going into the break a story that was. I tried to be really optimistic because you know people have been a little shaky on the Lakers going into the break, and so I was just thinking of like all the good stuff going on. I am going to mention uh, this week a couple reasons that I'm worried as we come out of the break, or that you could worry if you were a Lakers fan. But you know, it's an optimistic, fun weekend, so I figured let's just sort of stay on the good side of stuff. Uh, one of the things that I think has been underplayed a little bit. Um, with the Lakers, who are back up, you know, by four. I think is it four games or four and a half? It's five in the loss column, um, which is really what matters. And the way the Western Conference is shaking out, it looks like you Den- are correct. Yeah, it looks like Denver or the Clippers are going to be the two and the three, not necessarily in one order or the other, but it looks like. The Lakers, Denver, and the Clippers. Oh, it could be Utah. Utah's only half a game behind the Clippers. Utah has been so inconsistent that I feel like when the Clippers, I'm assuming, kind of bring it into gear, they will accelerate faster. And when Kawhi and Paul George both play, which will should happen a little bit more down the stretch, the Clippers are really good. And Utah's just had a lot of trouble staying consistent. Um, You're right, though. It could happen. Uh, but if it does, if those three teams are the sort of the one, two, three. If it does happen, by the way, the league needs to step in because you cannot have the Lakers and Clippers in the second round. No. Oh, right. The Clippers have to stay as a Right. Like the, the, two le- the league needs to just come in and arbitrarily make the Clippers. Well, if it happens, by the way, the, the next sentences out of my mouth will be irrelevant because the advantage to the Lakers is, I, you know, is, is in not having to play both. Denver and the Clippers to get to the finals because I think these are the three best teams in the West. The Clippers would have to play two of them. The Nuggets would have to play two of them. The Lakers would only have to play one. And so I think that actually turns into, you know, something that's far more significant for the Lakers than home court advantage or any of this other stuff. If you can avoid the best teams, because I don't think Houston's a threat. I think, you know, again, Utah's been very inconsistent. Not a fun team to play. And then obviously you get the eight seed. Um, so that stuff I think is important. Yeah. Um, and 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 we haven't been spending as quite as much time on that uh, maybe as we should. But so again, I point if, that out. If it looks like you're gonna get anything potentially other than Lakers, Clippers, Western Conference Finals. The league needs to step in. Yeah, and I think... Similar to how they should step in and change the format of games between, like, the... Well, I think what you do is... The Warriors and... You just declare that the Clippers are either the three or the five seed. Yes. And when you get asked why, you just say, look at the All-Star game we just gave you. Right. Shut up. Right. Exactly. Just trust me. Trust me. Yeah. It's going to be... We are great with formats. It's going to be better this way. (laughs) Look what we just did. Or declare the Lakers the two seed. Yeah. If Whatever. Whatever. However you got to do it. Um, but anyway, so that I think is 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 a good one uh, to look at. And the other thing that I think is is kind of important, and this is this is a bit of a referendum on 
what do you think happens in the playoffs? The fact the Lakers, let's assume that they sort of stay in this area where they're like a decent enough three-point shooting team. They, you know, they've kind of settled into that 10 through 15 area in any given night. You know, it shifts a little bit, you know, percentage points here and there. The amount of easy, like highly efficient buckets they get, you know, particularly from Dwight Howard, is shooting like 74% from the floor. Um, and then JaVale together. I, I think in the playoffs, when buckets are really hard to come by more for everyone and some of their offensive issues will even out to, to, to other teams, if they can maintain that, where you're still getting Dwight, you know, 10 points from Dwight a night or 12 points a night from Dwight on five shots and JaVale's giving you seven shots to get you 10 points, whatever it might be. That's a really significant advantage for this team in, in, in terms of being able to operate with a, with a degree of efficiency offensively in the postseason, which gets harder. It's much harder to do that in the, in the playoffs than it is in the regular season. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, really good coaches like you know Quinn Snyder, Doc Rivers, uh, Mike Malone. I mean, they're, they're going to be able to come up with schemes you know, or certainly over the course of a series that you and I don't see ahead of time. But like, well, you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but off the top of my head, it's hard for me to imagine why the Lakers can't do it when they've been able to do it this consistently right. for, you know, three-ish and it's months. Be- and like, it's this be- clearly isn't a flu. No, it's not. And it's because of how it's happening. So I looked through it. Dwight Howard, and again, math, not my strong suit, you know, maybe I'm off by a shot or two based on how they take down these stats. Dwight Howard has taken 229 shots this year. All but 37 have been inside the restricted area, not just in the paint, in the restricted area. Five of those 37 are three-pointers, and he's shooting 60% on those, so she actually be taking more. So, you know, you compare this to... um Charlotte, the, the last healthy season he played, when he had a really good, Dwight had a good year that year, took 324 shots outside the restricted area. So he was much Dwight Howardy, much more Dwighty there, where those baby hooks and the little jumpers that have never been efficient plays for him, um, he took 324 of those. This year he's taken 37, including five threes for just for fun. That is, it's like Russell Westbrook eliminating the three-pointer from his game since the, the Rockets have gone small. Like, he's taken every bit of inefficiency out of his game so that the Lakers, it's all putbacks, lobs, this and that. They spend about four seconds of their game designing offense for Dwight Howard. But at the end of the night, whether it's Dwight, JaVale, or whatever, you have 15 points or 20 points. It's a huge deal. Yeah, and again, I, I don't see why it will go away. I mean, if for no other reason than very often, uh, you're going to be occupied by Anthony Davis and LeBron while yeah. those guys are on the court. So, I mean, D- Dwight and JaVale, as much as you have to account for them and account for that efficiency, they're still lower down the scale of guys that Way you, have, right. you have to account for. And the Lakers have just a sort of a, a corollary to this, this stuff. They've taken 32% of their shots from inside. Uh, you know, three feet, which is best in the league. Uh, they shoot a league high percentage on those shots. And so, like, we've talked a lot about how the Lakers struggle to get easy buckets, but they do come. And, like, that, you know, that, that this is where um, it's really easy buckets when LeBron doesn't play. Um, or just, like, I guess, 
a variety of easy yes. buckets. Like we've talked about this before. Like the Lakers don't have a ton of flexibility, or at least haven't exhibited it in terms of how they go about, you know, operating their offense in different ways. But, but they're really good at what I was going to say. They they've chosen. Well, a this is this is one of the things. Like this, like I said, this week I'm going to look at some of the things that might worry a fan or a you know a coach or a GM or whatever you know player on the team. Like this, if like when they're not able to do the things that they're really good at, what else do they have? If you look at the Clippers, in theory, again, and time's getting a little short. I will say, like you know, to integrate all this stuff, and they've been a little more inconsistent than I think people thought. But in theory, at least, they've got a bunch of different things they can do. If plan A doesn't work, the Lakers don't really have that. Um, I'm just excited though, because like you mentioned before, Andy, that we've been doing that we do uh, local radio for ESPN, and for a lot of those years, we were doing the post game shows, pre and post game show. That was hard last few seasons. Uh, by game thirty, <laughs> twenty, like you know how it's going to end, and it's not going to yeah. end well. I mean, you you and I had a bit of a game within the game entertainment factor going, just because we were high on the kids and, and we liked right, watching them play. Right, there's always something. There's always something, but like but like it was there were bad basketball, right? Time. And I was going to say, and it was it was hard to feel a sense of urgency attached to these games. Like you could find something interesting in them, but that's right. tough. On it's a almost like like basis. if you were doing. A pre and post game show for the movie Cats. Like, there's only at some point, it's like this is not a good movie. Like, there's we can have fun with it. You can pull out fun performance. The the movie is not good. Like, you know, and the, the Lakers were just a bad team, and so it's it's fun. And I think fans, as as as, I think, joyously obnoxious as Lakers fans can be, and like, it's very self aware. Like of of. The sort of the sense of entitlement that Lakers fans have, and I think it's like it's part of the fun of being a Laker fan is being able to rub the sixteen titles in people's faces, and we're always good, and we get the stars and all that stuff. There is a certain, I think, fun that's backing in a little more of appreciation of like it's it's fun to be part of the conversation again. Like the Lakers may or may not win a title this year, and people will be really disappointed and ticked if they don't, Andy, but. It's been a minute since the last twenty-eight games of the season meant something, and like the first round of the playoffs. Dude, the meant the Lakers have not to been to the playoffs since Dwight Howard's first season with the Lakers. They, he's very, so, very important to that. He's key to their playoff they, hopes, and they have not won a playoff game since the season before that. Correct, because the Lakers got swept by the Spurs that year of the. This is going to be fun. Right, and they got swept we by Dallas. Right so I mean, it's like they lost eight straight playoff games. Yes, but. Yes. Well, no, no, no. You're mixing up. You. Oh no, no. You're right. There was one there was year after that. Year. There was a gap year. Um, they, that year they lost in the second round. They lost to, the second round to I want to say the Thunder. Was that Thunder? Right. Uh, they, they they beat New. They, they beat, beat Den- Den- Denver. Denver was it New, Orleans. New Orleans. I think it was New Orleans. It was New Orleans. It was. New Orleans. Um, I'm also not big on history. No, but it, since it, the invention it, of the internet, it was. Uh, it was New Orleans, and they yeah, lost. Yeah, because the, that was the year of our test in the elbow to Harden. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the headbutt was the headbutt. No, that was was that the same season or different season? Uh, I don't remember what headbutt you were referring. The Fisher. Oh uh, no, that was a different year. The uh, the Fisher headbutt was two, th- I believe, two thousand ten. Yeah, greatest Houston. part, best part about Stola. that was against Derek rubbing his head yeah. like he had like something had happened to well, him. Well, I mean, it was it was very much like look, we can debate who initiated this right. between me and Scola all day, all day, right? Um, <laughs> oh, you and I actually. 
talking so it's, with it's Fisher. Like it was Homer. Like, you know, we can argue about who forgot to pick up who when he forgot <laughs> Fisher, to pick up Bart Simpson. Fisher, after that game, his press conference discussing that thing with Scola was such a delightful farce. Yes, when people talk about like how said. Derek Fisher could run for Congress, like that's what they were talking yeah, about. Yeah, I mean, Fisher didn't even believe what he was saying, but damn it, he sold it. Oh, yeah, no, he tried. I mean, that was a load of horse poop. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. But hilarious. He was out, he was getting after it. Um, so yeah, I, I do get those, but you're right, they haven't won in a while. It's been it's just it's gonna be fun to be involved in it again. Not because I'm like I'm not personally emotionally invested in whether or not the Lakers win in the same way that I know you you've been a a fan of the Lakers, but like, you know, this is what we do for a living. Um, And it's more fun to be doing it when the team is relevant and it matters and you have something to look forward to, like really good basketball. Yeah. Like the that's the prospect like Lakers Clippers is not just fun for L.A., but and it is. It's really high-end basketball. Lakers Nuggets would be a great series. Lakers Utah be a great series. I mean, Lakers Thunder in, in, in be, you know, a lot of fun to watch. Lakers Memphis in the first round. Give me some of that. Yeah, I, that would be. Give a lot me of some Jaw and Jaron Jackson Jr. for like five games, probably. But like, it's, it reminds you a little bit of like you better catch the Thunder yeah, now. You, you and I, you and I covered that that year, 2010, when the Lakers took out the Thunder in the first round. Went six games, I believe, and everybody, including Kobe, acknowledged like, like you better beat these better guys now. now. Better get them now. Yep, because the days of these guys going out in the first round ended just now. Yeah, so it's, that's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun, and uh, we will obviously be bringing it all to you. And I think you'll enjoy it more. I think people will enjoy the stretch run more, Andy, if they uh, rate, uh, review, and subscribe oh, to this podcast. No doubt. It is really key to your enjoyment of the stretch run and the postseason in the NBA, not just the this podcast, just life. generally, and your life. Yeah. And your marriage, if you're married. Mm-hmm. Um, and your prospects of getting married, if you're not. All of it. I mean, look, even, even if you want to get divorced, if you want the smoothest divorce possible, subscribe. Yes, because some people need to get divorced. Mm-hmm. It's just not going well. It's not your... Um, anyway, we'll be back uh, next week with the Lakers. They're back on the floor Friday, correct, Andy? Um, yeah. Friday, and then they play Friday uh, against uh, the, Mem- Grizzlies the Grizzlies again. of Memphis. Yeah, the Grizzlies. They got the Grizzlies and the Celtics and the Pelicans. So that's a fun game. I am stretch. so excited for the. I mean, the Grizzlies game on Friday is going to be a lot of fun. Celtics is always fun. It's a fun three game stretch at Staples Center. Really excited for the uh, for the Pelicans game. Yeah. Those dudes is going to be coming in hot. Yep. Um, All right. So three great games coming back and we'll be back on uh, Monday to talk about them. All right. And thanks. See you next time.